Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If you've got your Bible, let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for his holy written word. Didn't really give you a title this morning other than Mother's Day. So it's a Mother's Day message. And our opening text will be 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 from the English Standard Version of the Bible. And notice what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Amen. And then notice in Psalms 147 and verse 3, He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Praise God. Now you might be thinking, now those are two scriptures that seem strange to be the beginning of a Mother's Day message. But when I share with you the fact that the Mother's Day sermon is probably the most difficult sermon that any pastor ever put together, you might consider what I'm about to share with you. And why is that? What's the reason behind that? Because of our need to be sensitive to the many different scenarios that exist in a congregation of our size in the lives of women, mothers, and children. And you'll see in just a moment. And that's why I use these particular scriptures because no matter what scenario you fit into, I want you to know that you serve a God who's the Father of mercies and a God of all comforts and a God who heals the broken heart and a God who binds up every wound. Amen. So we're going to begin with, for example, women. And let's start right there. The first thing that we see here in the life of a woman is the possibility of infertility. And when you think about infertility, and let's just say a woman was unable to have a child for whatever reason, and maybe she had a longing desire to have a child. There were many women in the Bible that were barren. Well, what happens on a Mother's, mother's Day like this, and we honor mothers and so on, and a person sitting there, the trigger, it could trigger something off within her, maybe heartache and pain because of her inability to be able to have a child. And so we need to consider the fact that that exists. And again, we point every person to the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who heals the broken heart and binds up every wound. Okay, and number two, and this is a toughie. When you think about this next word, abortion, think about that just for a moment. And let me just, before I even say this, just to let you know, I'm not, I understand I can't empathize with a woman who is unable to have a child. 
but we can sympathize and I can sympathize because I have family members that matter of fact I'm thinking of a nephew of mine and his wife my niece by marriage and they can't have children haven't been able to have children and I can see the heartache and I can see the pain that they have experienced over the years because of that but now here and this is another situation that I'm telling you I can identify with in many years of ministry you come across a lot of things abortion now here is a woman and living at home commuting to college in the first year became pregnant and her parents made her have an abortion to save face in the community now think about that and of course you can see over the years the pain and the suffering that a woman can go through being traumatized by having been forced to do such a thing and living with that memory and of course maybe as time goes by it begins to heal but then she goes to church on a Sunday morning and we talk about Mother's Day and all of a sudden the trigger goes off so once again thank God for a father of mercies and a God of all comfort who heals the broken heart and binds up every wound and then the third scenario we have here is possi the possibility of an unwanted pregnancy okay so not only unwanted you could also say unwelcomed resented here is a woman that didn't really want to get pregnant but she got pregnant and maybe her conscience won't let her get an abortion or even want to give the child up for adoption but she's in this quandary she has this pregnancy that she's uh, experiencing and really it could also get to the place to where there is a resentment even when the child is born so there are many different scenarios when it comes to a woman and when you think about Mother's Day once again you can think about these situations and realize how do you preach a message that's going to be able to meet the need of every person that's out there in the congregation when all these exist those are just three with regard to a woman thank God for the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort but now the second let's say group of individuals we call mothers and one of the first things that we realize is the possibility of miscarriages and again to show you I cannot empathize but I can sympathize my mother had a miscarriage I have a sibling uh, in glory this was before I was born and I didn't find that out until it was later in life that she had a miscarriage and she went through the trauma of that event and then my daughter my oldest daughter she too experienced miscarriage when uh, she basically conceived a child with two sets of chromosomes which look it up it's a devastating thing because they didn't know it at the beginning they had her carry the baby for five and a half months and then we had to have the, the then of course it, nature was taking over and we had to do a ceremony a service for her and I have a granddaughter who's in glory that I look forward someday to meet her name is Cassie Ann and I do look forward to it so I'm not saying it because I can empathize with a woman that's gone through something like this but I certainly can sympathize with someone because really it's 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 the effect that it has upon a woman having the, the the child within her and remember this he's the father of mercies he's the God of all comfort and I, I'm, I'm thankful to know we can point everyone to someone who can heal the broken heart who can bind up the wound because really we can't do it but he can amen then we have the second scenario and that is also devastating the loss of a child 
And as you can see, talking about mothers on Mother's Day, uh, it triggers off once again an event. And I'm thinking about the different ways that you can lose a child. Uh, disease, for example. When my wife and I, when Krista and I were in Children's Hospital for the first year of Andrew's life, we came across so many individuals and some young children that were just absolutely devastated by sickness and disease. I'll be honest with you, it was really heartrending just to be there. And you know, you, you, you get attached to these individuals. We used to see the one walking around with uh, in her IV and she's willing it around, all around and all that. Then we go back like a week later and she's gone. She lost her life to cancer. And then we, seen, we saw so many. And the heartache and the pain that it creates within the heart of uh, the parents and the mother as well. In particular, having given birth. But then not only disease, we see accidents take place. As a matter of fact, I, every time I am moved, when I come up Route 376 from Vanport, coming up to Brighton Township, to get off the exit there and you see the flowers and the little cross that's set there before the exit because I believe she was around 18 years old and she was a senior at Beaver High School and we don't know all the details of it but right there her life was lost in an accident that took place a half a mile from her home her parents live a half a mile from that spot and you see all those flowers there and the cross that's there and it was a devastating thing. So whether it's disease or whether it's an accident. And then also there are other, again, de definitely situations that are difficult to contend with. Uh, let's say uh, an overdose that was not intentional, unintentional. But many have lost a child to, to an overdose. And then when it comes to this one, I know it's really devastating. They all are. But suicide. Suicide is another thing. And so when you think about these situations that can occur and have occurred, and you think about, like I said, a congregation our size, and you realize that there are going to be people that are out there, we're honoring mothers on this day, but for many, it's not all that happy Mother's Day. Because they're contending with and dealing with these things, and it triggers off. I'll be honest with you, some pastors avoid it completely. Won't even preach a message about it for these reasons. And just go off to some other subject. Maybe honor mothers and just take it off and go another subject but you know what I believe that God's word provides for us healing and help and I really believe with all my heart that he's the father of mercies and God of all comfort and he heals the broken heart and binds up every wound and that's exactly what our intention is in the first part of this message to let you know that if you've experienced any of these situations I'm talking about then you know be it known that you've got a God that you can turn to that will be there for you to help you along the way the third group that I want to bring out and sometimes those that are overlooked involve children children so you're also speaking to children that are out here today okay and so number one let's consider one the child that was abandoned you know what did I miss one there the rebellious child let's start go there before we do this rebellion it's supposed to be a wonderful 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 day and yet here is a parent here is a mother who has a rebellious child and this child is just maybe unruly maybe more than one and they're just unruly maybe they got themselves involved with wrong individuals who knows the path that they have taken for their lives and they're experiencing the heartache and the pain of that kind of uh, situation that's taking place and they're hurting you know and so as a result once again we see this is something to consider when you're talking about Mother's Day 
and what mothers could possibly be going through. And what it does is just triggers off once again all these thoughts as far as what's going on. And we want to help them to point them in the right direction, how to pray for your child, but then also how to be comforted by the Spirit of God as far as your heart and life's concerned. Now the third group, and we're talking about abandonment. You know, and you think about how many children have been abandoned. So if you're a child that's out there and uh, you've been abandoned, and think about this. I just read about a child that was abandoned at a supermarket. Left in a buggy, walked into a shopping uh, supermarket. Then the girl turned around, purchased something, went out the door and left. And left the child there on purpose and just took off. I saw recently one that was left at a doorstep of a church. There it is. And so there could be a child that realizes that they were abandoned. What do they do? Have a meeting like this and you talk about motherhood and all that. And then they have these thoughts growing through the mind. And which really brings us into the next one. Not only abandoned, but adoption. A child finds, let's say, finds out at some point in life that I was adopted. And now it triggers off within them the thought that, why would my mother give me away? Why would my parents do this? And they're in a state of confusion about their identity and their worth and their value. And so you've got children that are out there listening to you preach about the joys of motherhood. And then the third one, another one that's just ghastly. You think about abuse. Not every mom is a great mom. And when you think about that abuse, you know, emotionally, physically, and in some cases, and this is a horrific, I know, but even sexually, and I don't mean incest or anything like that, but basically trading their daughter's body so they can buy drugs and etc., etc. And you think about, here we are celebrating the joys of motherhood. And maybe there's a child that's out there that's thinking that <laughs> this is what I grew up with in my life. An abusive situation. Again, physically, sometimes even emotionally or sexually. And then the next one, and this is one where your mother maybe, maybe was irresponsible. And to highlight this, maybe many of you don't remember. Some of you do. Years ago, we had a fellow by the name of Chad Varga here at our church. How many of you remember Chad Varga? Okay. Most of you don't. Brother Chad Varga, if uh, you're a sports fan, he, was, he grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and he played for a Catholic high school on their basketball team, and he was selected to the McDonald's high school all-star team, which is all-American, which is really a high honor. And then he went on and pursued a career in basketball where he played for Pitt University. Chad Varga played for Pitt. Uh, had an outstanding career. He was a pre-season pre All-American selection. Okay. And just a wonderful, wonderful person. Basketball player and all that. He actually got a contract with the Dallas Mavericks. He played, I think, three years in the European League. And it, it just goes on and on. Well, he wrote a book called If You Only Knew. Because when you see his life and you see his success and, and ex everything he's experienced later in life, you don't know what he went through as a young person. So let's talk just for a moment about irresponsibility when it comes to motherhood. Because there may be a child here today 
There may be a few here today that these 10 scenarios are true scenarios and they really exist. And people have encountered these things, which makes this day very difficult for a lot of people, which you can see. At the age of two years, first of all, let me state this. He grew up with parents that were both believers. And his father was a very strong believer, but he didn't know when he married his wife that she was not a strong believer, even though she said she believed. And she got off into drugs and alcohol. She was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And in order for her to be able to sustain her, her you know, drug addiction, then she also traded her body uh, for drugs and etc. And one thing led to another, and eventually he had to leave. He had, they had a divorce. Even though he was a strong believer, they had to end up in getting a divorce because this is what her lifestyle was. This is what she continued to do, and she wasn't changing from it. But he said he recalls as young as even two years old when they came home from an event, just the mother, his sister, and him. He was two. She was, his sister was about four. And the mother saw him, and he had a little bit of dirt on him, and she was so upset with him because he was dirty. She threw him inside the bathtub, turned on the hot water, and then said, get yourself clean. And she went and passed out on the couch. And while she's passed out on the couch from the overdose of drugs and alcohol, then here's this Chad, two years old, in the bathtub with scalding hot water turned on and his feet began to blister he didn't know what to do and so he did what all he could he he stretched his feet out and held against the wall to hold him up on the side of the tub and he said he was there for a long period of time until finally his aunt his wife's his mother's sister came and it was just a i guess a prompting of the spirit that she was somewhere and she just said there's something wrong with the, with wendy and with chad and she went to the house only to see that her sister was passed out on the couch. She couldn't see the kids in the bedroom. And so she was panicking. She broke the window to get inside the house. And she went to the bathroom and saw him laying there like that. With his feet blistered from the scalding water. And screaming because he had no one to help him. And there was no way he could even, she could even wake up her sister. Who was just strung out on drugs. That was only the beginning of a testimony you've never even heard. This young man witnessed people coming into the house, beating up his mother, doing horrific things. He grew up in Detroit where he would actually look out his bedroom window. This is the environment that he grew up in. And outside that window, he watched people be murdered. And he said on one occasion, this one was murdered. Who was all, they were all involved in drugs and all that. And not only was he dead, but the fellow that killed him after he shot him many times... He saw him go inside the house, pull out a shotgun, come back outside, saw his dead body on the street, and then proceeded to fill him up more. Kill, just add more. He grew up in an environment like that. And if you ever read his book, if you only knew, you can see here is a situation where a young man who you think is highly successful because of his athletic ability and all that, but what he talks about in his book is that even though he went through such a traumatic experience, he made a decision early in his life that basketball would be his escape, but he would put God first in his life and believe that God would see him through it. And thank God he is a merciful God, a God who's the father of mercies, a God who's the God of all comfort. And a God who heals the broken heart and binds up the wound. And later down the road, I do believe that, that his parents, well, his mother got saved. So you see here, actually you'll notice I have in your notes there. With these 10 scenarios, you kind of wonder, why even bother to, to put together a Mother's Day message? When you know all the faces that are 
looking at you, there are many that can be classified and fall among these particular situations. And you don't want to use your message to trigger off something. But you do want to express. I'm going to give you here some reasons here. Why? Well, first of all, because these scenarios exist. Number one, why? We live in a fallen world. And we have an adversary out there that can't stand any of us. Who wants to kill. Who wants to steal and destroy. And another reason is because we want to instill within the hearts and lives and minds of young people. Boys and girls alike. It doesn't have to be this way. It does not have to continue in your life. You can make a decision to put God first in your life. You can make a decision that it stops right here with you. That you're going to make right choices and right decisions in your life. And it's going to be a whole lot better for you than it ever was. No matter what you've been through in life. Because he heals the broken heart and he binds up every wound. And then thirdly, we want to share what the word of God teaches us about mothers. Because motherhood in the plan of God is a beautiful thing it's a wonderful thing a glorious thing God's plan is beautiful it's perfect yes it was marred by sin but still we have godly mothers that really made tremendous contributions in the lives of their children to point them in the right direction to show them the way of the Lord and I say this all the time because every person born into this world is an eternal spirit being that will never cease to exist that will live on through eternity and the parents, moms and dads, have the awesome responsibility, but the blessed privilege of instilling within the life of that child of theirs truths that will enable them to fulfill their destiny and then eternally experience the bliss of God's presence throughout eternity. Amen. And what a start you have to start teaching these things and sharing these things with your young people. And so we do want to admonish and also celebrate motherhood. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, English Standard Version. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land. Obviously God's concerned about it being well with you as a young person and you're living long in the land. And notice, just to read that you might think, okay, so he said that, but wait a minute. This is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And the first four commandments deal with a person's relationship with Almighty God. And he laid down certain mandates that were to follow with regard to our relationship with Him, correct? This next one is the beginning of, of the next six commandments that deal with interpersonal relationships. And where does it begin? In the home. Children, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. And that you may live long upon the earth. So in other words, he starts right there and says, within the home, there is nothing more important than for young people to obey godly parents. Parents that are in the Lord, that lay down and, and establish a good, let's say, model to follow as far as your life is concerned. Because if you follow their lead and their guidance, it will be well with you. And you will live long on the earth. And you can avoid a lot of the scenarios that we just talked about. Amen. And then also look in Proverbs 14. I believe it is in verse 1. Notice this. This is from the uh, CEV translation. Contemporary English version. A woman's family is held together by her wisdom. But it can be destroyed by her foolishness. Wow. Does that put a lot of responsibility upon the shoulders of a mother? Her family's held together by her wisdom. 
But it can be destroyed by her foolishness. And so we want to point out some godly mothers of the Bible. So we can help instill within the hearts of our young girls today. Characteristics that will help them rise up to a place. That they make right choices and decisions to follow those that closely followed the Lord themselves. And so we're going to start with number one. A woman by the name of Hannah. And if you know her story, then you know that she was one who was barren, but she longed to have a child. And she made a covenant with God or a vow to God and said, if you will give me a, a man child, give me a son, I will dedicate him to your service. Look in, in, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. And she said, oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So here we have a woman's life who really represents the characteristic of untiring sacrifice. This woman made a decision to seek the Lord on her behalf to have a child with the thought that I will dedicate my child to the living God because I know that life comes from God and every life needs to be dedicated back to God and she worked tirelessly to see to it that she made provision for her son and she did exactly what she said that she would do she made a vow to the Lord and when that child was born she could have walked away from that vow she could have said okay I have a son now I'm going to do what I want, live how I want and, and, and with this child's life. But no, she made a decision that she would sacrifice herself and give her child over to the Lord like she said she would. Mothers make tremendous sacrifices for their children. You know, they say that a mother's love is akin to that of God because you see, they have that child within them. It's a part of their lives and they will do anything for their child. Normally speaking, if it were not for the fall of man, can you imagine what the world would be like but because of the fall of man, we see a lot of disruption in what God intended purpose was, even in childbearing and child rearing. But this woman serves as an example that your hard work, your effort, your sacrifice that you make for your child will be rewarded one day, praise God. And so no matter who you are, young person out there, young lady out there, follow the example of some of these individuals. And even though you might be sacrificing yourself in an untiring way, it's going to pay rich dividends down the road somewhere. So stay with it. Learn these principles and apply them to your life. The second person we want to bring up is, is Jochebed. And this is a situation that really is a powerful, powerful testimony of a woman. And you talk about a woman that was strong and courageous and full of faith. Here's one right here. And we're going to look at the book of Hebrews because I know it's in Exodus chapter 2, but this is the response to what took place in Exodus chapter 2. Look at the book of Hebrews here. This is talking about Jochebed, the mother of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Let that sink in our ears. They didn't fear man. They feared God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Here we have a woman that represents the characteristic of untold. This is untold influence in the life of her son. Now think about this. This is a time when the king knew not Joseph. They were in slavery in Egypt. 
And the king didn't know Joseph in his relationship that he had before. And so as the Israelites began to grow in number, all of a sudden the king became worried and concerned because they may outgrow them and overcome the Egyptian kingdom. And so what does he do? He orders or sets a decree that all midwives, when you go to the Hebrew women that are having children, make sure you kill all the boys but let the girls live. Imagine that. No regard for human life whatsoever. Well, Jochebed, she saw her son and saw something good about him. And I know that it was the hand of God that was upon him. And she identified that. So she hid him for three months. But she knew you can't keep a baby quiet too long. And so, as a result of the uh, boys that were being born there, you see the midwives weren't doing their job because they didn't want to kill those boys. And they went back to the king when the king called them and said, what's going on? I thought I told you to kill all the boys. And what what did they say? Well, these midwives, they give birth fast. You know, they come out quick. And so therefore, uh, before we get there, they're already born. So he orders all the infants to do what? Be killed into the Nile. Throw them into the river and let them all die. All the boys will die. But Jochebed, she takes her son at three months old. Now imagine this, mom. Your three-month-old baby, you put in a basket, put him in the Nile River. And let him go. And you see the hand of God. This takes courage. This takes faith. And so what happens is how good God is. How amazing God is. He orchestrates this situation. Yes, the Pharaoh's daughter comes and she's bathing in the the river. And they hear the cry of a baby and she sends her servants over. They go and get the child and bring it to to Pharaoh's daughter. And then when Miriam, who is Moses' sister, sees what's going on and realizes that she's taking this child she says would you like me to find some of the Hebrew woman to to uh, nurse the child and she says oh yes how about this goes and gets the mother and she nurses the child and gets paid to do it how about that mom how about that she pays him to do it she pays her to do it well it comes to pass of course you know the rest of the story but here's my point as far as Hebrews is concerned. The influence of the mother of Moses was so strong because not only did she nurse him, but she trained him in her culture, in her faith, and she instilled within him at a young age these blessed truths that were stronger in him and more grounded in him even when he was being trained in the king's palace and trying to be influenced you know, by their culture and what they stood for. So when the time came, as he grew older, he was more influenced by what his mother put in than what the world put in him. And it came to pass when he saw one of his brothers being, being abused, he killed that person. You know the story. And then, of course, he ran for his life and all that. But then he was called. And how did God use him? To do one of the most remarkable things ever done on the planet. To bring a nation of two and a half to three million people out of Egyptian slavery and bondage. Through staggering miracles that shook the foundation of the entire kingdom. All because she was a woman of courage. A woman of faith. And you talk about the influence of a mother. Moms, young people out there. You have a strong influence over your child's life. And so it's important to realize 
that you set the example. You are to model the kind of life you want your child to live. Because they're going to do more what you do than what you say. But still, your lips can teach him to speak right things or her to speak right things. Your walk can teach them to walk along the path that God wants them to walk. Your attitudes can help instill within them characteristics. The character that that child needs to really succeed in life and also be pleasing unto God. So this is a woman of untold influence over the life of her child. The third one we have is, is her name is, we say Eunice. But in actuality in the Greek I think it's Eunice. But this is a, a woman of unfailing faith. Unfailing faith. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. As Paul addresses Timothy, this is what he says. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Notice this. We saw this on the video, so to speak. This is the a mom had a mom who had a mom who had a mom who had a mom who had a mom. Notice how it identifies the faith of Timothy. But he said, you got that faith from your mother. And she got that faith from her mother, your grandmother. It was passed down as a legacy from one to the next to the next. What does that tell us? What is he emphasizing? You are a person of faith. And you better be thankful that you had a grandmother of faith. And you have a mother of faith that passed their faith on down to you. Amen. See, this is God's intended purpose. We as parents model Christianity for our children. And as they see in us the things we ought to do to serve God, it is instilled within them and we influence them to do the right thing, which is why we bring them to church, which is why we pray over our meals, which is why we tell them the right thing to say and the right thing to do. I'll tell you what, I stirred something up the other week when I talked about when Jesus said, call no man Rekha and call no man a fool because if you call a man Rekha, which is attacking their intelligence like you're a boneless or, or, or spineless idiot and stuff like that, a brainhead, all those negative words, a nitwit and numbskull and all that. Use that terminology and guess what? Jesus says you're in danger of, of uh, the judgment. But he said, but if you call someone a fool that attacks their character, you, you do that, you're in danger of hellfire. Think about that statement that Jesus made. Well, why would he make such a statement? Because you see the person sitting next to you that you might think is weird. That you might want to call a brainless idiot. He paid for with his blood. Did you hear that? Words come out of our mouths that, let's say, hurt people. Hurt God also. And he doesn't like it. So no matter what I think about someone else, I should never vocalize it. Because as you judge, you will be judged. Think about that. So next time we think, we should think before we call someone an idiot. You're stupid. And I'm talking about out of anger. You understand that. Not in jest, not in kidding and stuff like that. We're talking about some, this is, this is motivated by anger for somebody. And Jesus was saying, you think you have to kill someone to disobey God. He said, but I'm telling you right now. Out of anger, you talk like that to someone. You've already committed murder. And you're in danger of judgment and possible hellfire. Think about that. Then we have the next woman. And that is the woman called Mary. And Mary, she represents the characteristic of undying love. Undying love. Look in John's Gospel, chapter 19. 
Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. Isn't that just wonderful about Jesus? Just loving his mother so much he made provision for her when he was gone. He left this realm. But she stands for a, a mother of undying love. Here she is. Right there in the midst of all this. When all the other disciples took off and fled for their lives. Except John. Here she is among these rugged soldiers. These scoffers and, and jesters. And those that are just spewing out their venom. At Jesus mocking him. Laughing at him. Making sport of him. Uh, gambling for his clothes and etc. And just spewing out all these things and trying to get him to come down from the cross. If you're the prophet, if you're the Messiah and so on and so forth and all that. Here's this mother with undying love that is right there in the midst of it all. Tears streaming down her face as any mother would. This is my son. Unto death he is my son. This woman with this undying love didn't matter what she had to go through or get through to get to her son. And to be there for her son. And obviously... Think about this. Jesus is dying. He's about to breathe his last breath. And what does he do? He singles out his mom. And makes certain someone will take care of her. He's about to enter into the suffering that we can't even imagine. You think he's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities? Oh, he surely is. You see, your mother with you today, you've got a gem next to you. You've got someone whose value and worth is immeasurable in monetary value. Her worth is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. And her worth and value to you, when she points you in the right direction, I'm telling you, has eternal implications. And young, young person, you're not a mother yet. I just want you to know something. When that day does come, I want you to hear these words echoing in your ears. You're giving birth to an eternal spirit being who will never, never, never cease to exist. And where that child spends his or her eternity will largely be based upon the example that you set. Now, listen, I understand that as a father, you know, we have feelings as well. But there's something unique about the, the, the bond between a mother and her child because she carried that mother, or that child within her, her womb. It was a part of her life and she gave birth. And there's a love that's there that's akin to the love of Almighty God that, that just moves them. And so we thank God for godly mothers. And they should be honored as they live their lives to honor the living God. And then finally, and this woman is absolutely outstanding. And you could classify her with faith as well. But I chose to use the term unyielding perseverance. Unyielding perseverance. This is the Syrophoenician woman. This is the fifth situation. And this woman, let's read the story in Matthew, first of all. Matthew chapter 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the, of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Imagine that situation. Okay? But he answered her not a word, and, but, and his disciples came and besought 
him saying, send her away. She's annoying. For she's crying after us. A polite way to say she's annoying us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, it is not meat or proper for me to take the children's bread, cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, truth. Yet the dogs can eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, o woman great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Okay, let's start at the beginning of this. Here is a woman, and think about this. Mothers, think about this. This daughter of hers is possessed of a devil. We don't understand that in our country. We don't see a lot of that in our country. In foreign lands, you see a lot of this because they worship spirits and they have spiritualism and all that sort of thing. They ab absolutely worship the devil and all that. And so many people are possessed with devils. And just to give you a quick example, when I was in school at Ramah, one pastor who was there to teach a class on angels and demons in that class, as we went to that class four hours a day, three days a week, and he's talking about all these particular situations that he encountered in his life. And he says there was one day he was in his office and a mother came and said, my daughter has a devil. She is possessed of a devil. And of course she thought, you know, like just not necessarily humorously, but probably a little rascal that girl was and, and just creating problems in the home and all that. He said, I thought that at first until she came in and sat down next to her mother. And as we began to talk, all of a sudden, he said, her face distorted. All of a sudden, he said, her lower lip came out, protruding out from her mouth as if you would put up like a plate, like a dish inside the lip. It came out so far and her face so contorted and the voice that came out of her mouth was not hers. He said, I sat there stunned just for a moment as I saw this take place before my eyes. And then I realized, cast it out. And he did. And the moment the devil left, she was back to in her normal state. Imagine this Syrophoenician woman having to deal with a possessed daughter who possibly could have been chained to a bed, who possibly could have been suicidal, who possibly had all kinds of nightmares and all kinds of things happening in her life that made life for this Syrophoenician woman unthinkable. And she comes and the disciples kind of want to brush her off. And so finally she gets to the point she wants mercy, she wants compassion, she wants someone, someone to help her. And she finally makes her way to Jesus and bows before him. And what does Jesus say? It's not right for me to give the children's bread to a dog. And they called Gentiles dogs back then. This woman, she overcomes the temptation to be prideful, to be angry, to be resentful. To, to spew out things. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you're talking to? Oh, she doesn't at all. This is a woman that persevered. She persevered through the situation. I'm sure she tried to get help elsewhere, but she can't find that help anywhere else. But all of a sudden now she hears about the wonderful things that someone is doing. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He's casting out devils. He's healing the sick. He's setting the captives free. It does not matter if she's got to get through hell or high water to get to where he's at. She's getting there. She's bowing there. And she, he can call her any name he wants to. All she wants is help. Her daughter needs delivered. 
So she says to him, you told the truth, Lord. I don't want the children's loaf of bread. I don't want what they have. All I know is this. A dog has a right to lick a crumb under the table. And that's all I need. Just call me what you want. Call me what you will. That's all I want. And Jesus rose up and said, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you will. You see that crumb has every ingredient that the whole loaf has. Think about that. That's all I need. And think about what he's saying. The covenant belongs to all of us. We got the whole loaf. I only need a crumb. And the daughter, can you imagine this? Mothers out there, imagine this. Can you imagine? She leaves Jesus and she's on her way home. And now she's about to get to where her place is, a, a, a residence. And instead of her going in, wondering what happened to her daughter, her daughter comes flying out of the house arms thrown open wide mommy I'm free mommy I'm free I'm free I'm delivered hallelujah can you imagine the embrace can you imagine the tears flowing can you imagine the love what a mother will do what persevering faith this woman had what courage mothers you're to be honored why because of all that you do in this life to set the stage for your children to have the best start they could possibly have in life. Pointing them to the one who could do anything and everything that they need done in their lives. Amen. Praise God. Your untiring sacrifice. Your untold influence. Your unfailing faith. Your undying love. And think about it unyielding your unyielding perseverance so no matter what you're going through I want you to know there's a God and father of all mercies there's a God of all comfort amen he heals the broken heart he binds up every wound hi pastor Bill here I want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, 
I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.